We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Thomas? You seem particularly triggered right now. Can you tell me what happened? I've had dreams that weren't just dreams. Am I crazy? We don't use that word in here. We met. One pill makes you larger, and one pill makes you small. And the ones that mother gives you don't do anything at all. Go ask Alice when she's ten feet tall. If you want the truth, Neo, you're going to have to fly me. The only thing that matters to you is still here. I know it's why you're still fighting and why you will never give up. You don't know me. No? Going back to where it all started. Back to the Matrix. Boy, this 
bonus review, we wrap up our coverage of the Matrix franchise by talking about the latest installment, The Matrix Resurrections. It is directed by Lana Wachowski. The first time a Wachowski is directing without the other. It is starring Keanu Reeves, Carrie Ann Moss, Yaya Abdul-Mateen, Jonathan Groff, Jessica Henwick, Neil Patrick Harris, Jada Pinkett Smith, Priyanka Chopra. And I think the only other actress worth mentioning is Christina Ricci. Um, The story is as follows. Plagued by strange memories, Neil's life takes an unexpected turn when he finds himself back inside the Matrix. So, Oz, we've mentioned this so many times it should become a drinking game on this show that we do not talk about how we think about a movie, what we thought, what our reactions were until we get on a pod. You saw this before Christmas. You you saw this significantly earlier than I did. I did the full the, the rewatch of the trilogy and then watching the fourth one after we had to delay our recording of the Matrix final review, after I had to edit then the uh, full Matrix final review, please go check that out if you are listening to this and haven't heard that yet. We will, I guess, add on and conclude where this movie falls in our rankings. So I am unaware how you feel about this movie. I have some tea leaves based on some tech messages to our group chat, but I have no idea where you fall in what has become a polarizing movie across the board, whether it be on film, Twitter, film critics, letterboxed. So I am very curious whether we'll align on this. Your thoughts on The Matrix Resurrections. So let me first say, I have no idea how to talk about this movie without getting into spoilers. And I don't know what constitutes a spoiler for people, but the f- like nothing in even the first 40 minutes of this movie are is like clearly shown in the trailers so it's on hbo max just watch it and then listen so i don't have to play coy for for the next 20 minutes do you want to do a full do we play the elevator music full spoilers for this episode full spoilers there's no there's no point otherwise okay guys in three two one Okay. Full spoilers, Matrix Resurrections. What were your thoughts? Okay. So I'm in a weird place. I understand that there are a bunch of people who think this movie is a masterpiece. I understand that there are a bunch of people who think that this movie is a fucking bag of dog shit. And I'm in the strange place of thinking that it is interesting, uh, that it has a lot of kind of nifty ideas, but I think some of the meta stuff is is kind of cool in execution. I think some of the performances are good, which I want to talk about later. And I don't really think the movie quite works. I don't find it emotionally satisfying. I, I, I find uh, the, the action, which is obviously a big part of the appeal of the Matrix franchise for some, uh, quite lacking. And I come down as it's interesting and not great. I'm kind of in the middle here. I, I, I don't think it's the worst thing I've ever seen. Not close, though. When you see 300 movies a year, it's hard to get to the bottom of that list. Uh, I think it's fine. So. I want to start with things I liked. I want to start just with the positives that I came away with from this movie. For starters, you mentioned it during our final review. Jonathan Groff is the best part of this movie. He is my favorite. He is my favorite character. He is my favorite actor in this movie, both in the Matrix and out of the Matrix. Um, I guess he's never out of the Matrix, but 
both when he's just the head of the video game company and both when he's Agent Smith. Okay. Again, full spoilers. So I can say that now. The filmmaking elements, I'll say half of the cinematography I like. There are some really cool shots, specifically the last shot when Trinity catches Neo is majestic and adds to the moment because you're seeing it from from below, from far away, from then from up top. And you're actually like experiencing it as if it was like from Neo's perspective and then somebody else's. That's because they actually did that shot. They jumped off a building in Los Angeles and that mm-hmm. and with all sorts of cameras around it, that that's one of the things in this that's practical, which is why it's probably the most effective action beat in the entire movie. You watch the sort of 28 days later, World War Z segment, and that's all CGI bullshit. And it feels like CGI bullshit, but you get them jumping off the building. That's that's Keanu and Carrie Ann Moss jumping off a building. So that, that I think is a big reason of why that's the most effective sequence. As somebody who loves Mission Impossible Fallout, I appreciate doing your old own stunts and how it looks on screen. You mentioned the meta commentary in this movie. And because of it, it started with so much promise for me. The like blatant apology by Lana Wachowski for the existence of this movie in the conversation between Neo and, and Jonathan Groff's character, where they name drop Warner Brothers and say Warner Brothers wants us to do a sequel to the trilogy. Uh, they said they were going to do this, whether we do, whether on board or not. And it almost made me wonder, like, how did Warner Brothers approve this script? Like, wait a minute. Are you not aware that this line was going to be there? I know Tom, Tom Tickwer, who's their usual collaborator who co-directed Cloud Atlas and uh, did, did, did uh, Run Lola Run, gave an interview and said something to the effect of that. That's a true line. Like they were just going to make a new Matrix movie with different actors and a different team mm-hmm. until Lana said she would come back and, and do it. I, I I know it's getting a lot of internet buzz, the sort of, oh, fuck you, Warner Brothers line and how transgressive. But I don't, I, there's a lot of movies that have played this meta transgressive thing. I like Spider Verse does this. Lego Batman pisses on Warner Brothers too for all the sort of shitty renditions they've done over the years. I, I mean, I get it. Yes, it's cute and har har. And in a movie that, that's otherwise more serious like this, I guess it's a little a little different in tone than a, a kid's Batman movie. But, you know, other other things have done this in the last 10 years. Well, so hear what I'm saying. The movie started with promise. When yeah. that scene happened, I was like, okay, I'm in. Like, wh- wh- where is this going to go? This is interesting. The entire pitch meeting about what the fourth Matrix should be about. And they're, they're recalling all the different things that have been put onto the Matrix and almost poked fun at, which... I was curious, okay, so then what did you come up with for a fourth movie, Lana Wachowski? And then the rest of the movie plays out. And for somebody that seems to be consistently poking at Hollywood's reliance on nostalgia to then consistently reference back to the plot of the other three films that made her famous seemed a little bit hypocritical. The opening scene, the the music over the Warner Bro- the Green Warner Brothers logo, then to the phone call. That's the exact same thing as the opening movie. You know what else I watched this weekend? Us Cobra Kai. You know what Cobra Kai does? Consistently throw clips from the first four uh, first three karate kids into their show. With this, it's almost as if they don't trust the audience to understand, oh, the reason Jonathan Groff is looking out the window saying this is because he's going to be Agent Smith two scenes before the reveal is supposed to happen. Um, Morpheus literally offers Neo a red or a blue pill. The only reason we know that that's important is because he's done it before. 
Neo and Agent Smith have the exact same fight, just in a different place than the first movie. And then love is all that matters in the end. All of the different things that work in the Matrix are used in this movie. So it just seems so off that you have this first 40 minutes poking fun at people that have exalted the Matrix to then go and do this the rest of the movie, which is why I'm curious what you meant by like the execution worked well, which is I didn't I thought the idea was cool, but the execution was off. Well, I I think it's I'll say this. I felt flat for a lot of this movie. I, mm. I didn't when I when I watched Cloud Atlas take another another movie by these filmmakers, I felt moved by a great number of the stories. And while I think Reeves and, and Carrie Ann Moss are both really good here, I didn't I didn't really feel anything. Like I, I didn't feel moved when they get back together. I I appreciated the fact that that Carrie Ann Moss is with a Chad uh named Chad who played by Chad Stahelski who's mm-hmm. Keanu's stuntman and the director of the John Wick movies but um i just maybe it's because of the the meta element and the sort of is it real is it not but the kitsch of it didn't quite connect for me maybe it's because i don't give a damn about the sequels and every time they they flash back to something from one of the sequels. I sort of roll my eyes into the back of my head. Uh, maybe it's because the the Jada Pinkett Smith work here is is just uncomfortable and bad. Um, I just I didn't I didn't feel emotionally invested in anything that happens later. And I I, I wish I felt what some of the proponents of this movie are feeling. That said, I I do think in some ways it's sort of undercutting and and teasing. Uh, this remake culture. I, I think it's whereas Jurassic World is like warm and loving in this sort of embrace of telling the exact same story we've seen before, or The Force Awakens, or any of these other we call them legacy sequels now. <laughs> but if any of these other legacy sequels, um, they're very, very warm. They don't ever take the piss out of it. They don't ever kind of piss on the fan base. And I kind of like that this has the guts to piss on the fan base to undercut it. I mean, the the ending of this movie is that Neo isn't the one it's that Trinity is really, is really the one. And at least this new reality or kind of the power of love together is this is, is what makes it work for them. And that I think is a real shot across the bow of a lot of people in the way they've interpreted this movie. I, I I'm with you. I think the best segment of this movie is when they play white rabbit and kind of riff on all of the things that the matrix means to people like right on the nose stuff from like shitty internet people to trans allegories and kind of pisses on everyone's interpretation to, to some degree. I think that that stuff is really good. And I do think it plays that stuff out more interestingly than you you give it credit for that doesn't mean i found it effective even if i found it kind of intellectually interesting it did very little for me emotionally oh can i just ask other than the like men's rights groups and the red pill QAnon weirdos that have taken this movie in a different way what's wrong with people taking a piece of art and analyzing it and discussing it well that that's the point of art. But I think The Matrix is a movie that has uniquely been co-opted by groups. I mean, we, we've talked about it on The Matrix Pod. We've mentioned Fight Club any number of times. There are certain movies that have become real, like important touchstones for groups, for good or for bad, in terms of you know identity, what they care about. I mean, fuck, look at fan culture on people on Twitter freaking out these days because Hawkeye didn't have a juicy enough stinger after the last episode. Like fans are whiny little fucking brats most of the time. And I, I like that this movie is is undercutting the notion that this movie and these creators owe anything 
to to the fans. They don't. They made a movie. If you like it, great. Go go forth, enjoy that, write about it, engage with it however you want. And I kind of like that the, the takeaway of this movie, chill. We don't fucking owe you anything. We can make fun of what you've all built out of this movie and this universe that we created. I, I, I find that a kind of winning takeaway. So this is one of our bigger disagreements then, because I don't I don't think it's executed well enough. I think it is poking fun at that. And if the whole point of this movie was Lana Wachowski was like, for fuck's sake, I've done other things in my life than that movie in 1999 or its sequels in 2003. And you made me come back to this franchise because I didn't want somebody else to fuck it up. So I'm going to just make a meta movie that's also entirely too long. Like most, there's the best tribute she can make to most of these sequel blockbusters is that this movie is 40 minutes too long. Um, and that's the if that's the entire point, then job well done. You need a mediocre sequel to The Matrix. Then bravo, Lana. I don't think there's a problem with a movie that's regarded as a masterpiece being discussed as such. She's also the one that put simulacra and simulation like a very specific philosophical like artifact in Neo's room in the first movie. So all of the themes that were applied by other people and discussed, you put that there for us to discuss. Where I, I don't think you're giving it enough credit. And I, I don't want to be the person who's out throwing haymakers supporting this movie because I didn't love it. I have mm-hmm. no desire to go back to it anytime soon. But I think where, where you're not giving it enough credit is the way that it took the concept of a reboot or a remake or whatever else and kind of did a last duel thing with it. The perspective is different. The frame is different. The execution is different. In Matrix Reloaded, the Merovingian, the Lambert Wilson character is this picture of suave. He's this all-knowing kind of expert of the, I don't even know what the right term is, but of the sort of like old guard things that exist in the Matrix. Here, he's like a babbling hobo idiot who stands on the sidelines during one of the not great fight scenes in the middle of this movie. And I, I think that is a good picture in the way that they're trying to shift the perception of what you're supposed to take from the initial movies and what you're supposed to take from this. And I think part of my problem with this is I wish this movie was overall executed in a way that I felt like going back and rewatching it and diving deep into understanding all these subversions that they're playing around with. I'm going to have to rely on good film writers to lay all that out for me because I just don't feel like coming back to this. But I think there are smart ideas at play here Certainly there are execution issues and there are interest issues for me. I think we do actually agree more than we disagree here because I do think there are more, there are some interesting ideas that when they were introduced, I was like, oh, okay. So where are you going with this? And I just, you mentioned not feeling anything. I felt a lot like the first two movies when it comes to the action, not the first two movies, the first two sequels, when it comes to the action, there's just no stakes. Like every single shot that is fired at Neo was never going to hit. There is a fight between Neo and Agent Smith. Again, you knew that Neo was going to win and Smith was going to show up later in the movie. And it's the same as the two sequels because he's rediscovered his power as Neo. So with the lack of tension or stakes, it was a rough hang to try and get through And then when you add so much exposition, here's my experience and how I watch this movie. We're in hour two, maybe one minute. It's like two hours and one minute. And maybe it's closer to the 95 minute mark. And Rosina and I watched it on HBO Max and we had a target order show up. And like we had to pause the movie and let 
get the doorbell, let everybody in. Um, and I look at the screen and I see how much time is left. And Priyanka Chopra has just showed up. And I'm like, I'm still being explained what the plot is 95 to 100 minutes into this movie. Like, that's just unnecessary. And when you add in that the action is not all that good and takes away from what we loved from the first Matrix, that there was cool ideas introduced and things you could chew on. And then some revolutionary action. It all in execution seems below par, which is not something I think of when I think of this franchise, at least not the thing I love about this franchise. Yeah, you know, I think you raise a good point on the Priyanka Chopra Jonas stuff, because that is so tethered to something that had I not rewatched the original trilogy and the Animatrix and the video game cutscenes and everything leading up to this, I, I don't think I'd have remembered that little kid character from from reloaded and i guess revolutions also i just it is it is a weirdly intimate relationship with sequels that that certainly they're self-aware enough to know or not received in the way the original is to make that such a linchpin of the drama here it is for a movie that is so aggressively anti-fan service something that is about as fan service as it gets it's a it's an entire relationship that I've watched all these things. I've podcasted about it. I've written about the matrix before. Like this is not like a thing I'm disconnected from. And I had no emotional connection. And maybe it's because it's so aggressively trying to kill that at the same time as relying on it. It, it is, it, it is, it feels to me, and I know we're going to get to our, our rankings. It feels to mm-hmm. me a, a smarter, better thing than resurrections but closer to resurrections i'm sorry than uh revolutions um but closer to revolutions on the scale of kind of the ideas overwhelming the actual execution of watching a movie fair um i don't know i i just the punching down on the fan service that has happened throughout hollywood to then like put the jada pinkett smith character back in to then put the Merovingian, even though that's like one of my favorite scenes. Like I was like, oh, this guy's fun. I agree with us. This is an interesting character. The fact that Jonathan Groff is Agent Smith, like to have that villain back in this movie, Yaya Abdul-Mateen to be Morpheus, kind of, and then to turn into a digital version of Morpheus when we go back to Zion, or not Zion, to IO, whatever it's called, to have the machines be nice now i i there's so much that doesn't make sense and doesn't work plot related that man you end or, up with or to mess. be or to oh, be fair ahead. or to be fair makes sense if you are intimately connected to this universe yeah yeah i i just the entirety of the sum just doesn't doesn't work out we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Neil Patrick Harris character. So this is supposed to be the architect, but not. I, I thought he was playing Dr. Horrible again. Who's Dr. Oh, okay. oh Dr. <laughs> Horrible's sing-along blog. Oh my God. If you've never seen, I know you're, no one's allowed to watch Josh no idea. stuff, but yeah. Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog is a three-part web series from when web series were like a new thing that Josh Whedon made with Neil Patrick Harris and Nathan Fillion and Felicia Day. And it's amazing. And it's all like banger songs. It's so good. Find it. Uh, I thought he was basically playing Dr. Horrible. And I'm I'm fine with that because Dr. Mm-hmm. Horrible is, is great. I loved NPH as a villain. I thought it brought fun to a movie that was too often stayed. Uh, nothing's going to compare to my dude, Jonathan Groff, who's just Who's just the best? I know you you mentioned it, but I'm going to vamp on him for a minute here and say that this is the guy who was the lead of Looking, which is this small, mellow show about mostly gay men in San Francisco, in which he was incredible. He's the lead in Fincher's Mind Hunter on Netflix, in which he's incredible. He was a Tony nominee for Hamilton as the King, in which he's incredible. And here he's fucking great. He is like every second that he's on screen, this thing is more alive than otherwise. I also like Jessica Henwick here who is probably best known as colleen wing on iron fist and she's one of the sand snakes on game of thrones uh she's good too doesn't really have anything to do beyond being like the new cool girl but uh i i think that she's quite effective in her her limited scenes and hopefully they bring her back to the mcu too she'd fit in nicely in shang chi too i agree on everything you just said specifically about henwick because i at a point i thought this was going to be her movie because it opens i was hoping i I thought that's where we were going i was like oh okay like i'm down with a new character and a new perspective on this and neo and trinity are more supporting here and it was like oh so this is an expansion of the franchise um you mentioned the mcu and i want to be clear with what i'm about to say it doesn't apply to you you're actually much more grounded than this. And I have always appreciated your perspective on movies because you're not as pretentious as the people I'm about to address to the film critic that has said that this is an outright masterpiece because it isn't Spider-Man No Way Home and it isn't the fan service plot mechanics that MCU consistently has tricked people into thinking are good. First of all, just go fuck yourself. 
I'm sorry. You're talking about a franchise that laid out a plan over the course of 13 years and has earned every single crowd pleasing, crowd popping moment over those 14 years. The reason I cared about the two Spider-Men showing up in Spider-Man No Way Home has nothing to do with fan service. It's the execution that mattered and the elements that are added to those franchises that then recalculate how we think about the endings to those stories. Go read on the Invention of Dreams what Yash took out of Spider-Man No Way Home and see how a deeper representation for public defenders and what that movie can mean. I get it. It's frustrating that this is the direction that movies are going. But goddamn, like, be intelligent enough, as Oz just did, to reference Jurassic World or Space Jam Legacy, or as we did a couple of weeks ago, Ghostbusters Afterlife. There are good versions of the, the sequel culture that change the narrative or change the story, like Spider-Man No Way Home or like Creed. That actually gives you a different perspective to the Rocky franchise that we were never considering. And it's, yeah, not original IP, but you're able to appreciate a new version of the story. You can have good versions of this. And The Matrix Resurrections is not one of those versions. I'm sorry. I know you are, are tired of seeing the same Marvel movie make money over and over again. But my God, if I have to hear one more person tell me that this is art and that is fan service, when I have to see all the same characters from the first Matrix movie show up and be the heroes at the end of this Matrix movie and not then be able to look back at you and say, this is also fan service out of here. No, I'm sorry. I Trying to see where this perspective was coming from, Oz, was the most frustrating part about this movie and bumped my score down even lower as a result. So I think where that where that comes from is I I personally feel a genuine, honest to God frustration that movies that I care about don't have a home anymore. Yes. But the fact that Spider-Man is successful and making a shitload of money isn't what's preventing adults from going to see West Side Story or Nightmare Alley or one of these, come on, come on, or one of these movies that I feel passionately about this year. That's more on the art house side of the ledger. I mean, like Red Rocket made great movie when it expanded outside of new york and la made like four hundred dollars per screen its mm. first weekend and that was like not in like peoria that was in like major cities around the country nobody fucking shows up well, I, I i i understand it i get it because i am that person i have like hundreds of criterion blu-rays downstairs i love that stuff but like pissing on spider-man or like saying oh fuck spider-man because we love the matrix or original stuff is not is not the answer like proselytize the good try to get the spider-man people to see something else <laughs> try to get them to see like this good thing in spider-man you're gonna have a similar emotional reaction to seeing this good thing in nightmare alley or whatever it may be uh, i totally agree that there there's something broken in film criticism today and i don't i don't want to deep dive pissing on film critics as i try to build my own secondary <laughs> career as one but, you know, I, part of it, there are so many film critics. There's this thing, and I have no idea why I'm, I'm going to this rant, but I'm going to go into this rant because I think it's incredibly important to this. There was a thing middle of last year, and it was, you know, it, admit what big movies you haven't seen, like what critical movies you haven't seen. And a bunch of film critics answered it, especially a bunch of young film critics, folks in their 20s. There were people who were like certified on Rotten Tomatoes who haven't, who were like openly acknowledging they haven't seen The Godfather. Oh, or God. Citizen Kane, or you know, I'm not talking like deep cut, like 
you know, some like random Truffaut movie or something like that. These are people who haven't seen like the the iconic films of American film history who are like the leading voices in film today. It is fucking crazy how uneducated in the language of what people are trying to discuss, the folks who are leading the dialogue are. So people who are like, oh, my God, it's the end of days because the the matrix isn't making as much money as as spider-man and holy shit the matrix do badly in weekend yeah <laughs> um it, it's because they they don't have any understanding of film history they don't have under, mm. any understanding of how the studio system worked they don't understand what the Hayes code era was like they don't understand what movies were like under reagan in the 80s and what sort of the american popular machine created in that era like chill the fuck out like blockbuster entertainment is better than it's ever been there's more access to people to make movies than there ever has been before netflix is releasing more like art house things than ever would have gotten in theaters before it is totally true that people are not paying to see these things in theaters in part because the theatrical experience kind of sucks when your seat is sticky and some assholes on a fucking cell phone during the midst of like a two and a half hour serious drama they can eat shit and die but you know what it also <laughs> fucks up my experience there's a real break in the industry and stuff like that, where someone views their love of this matrix movie through the prism of fuck you people who like Spider-Man is so fundamentally pathetic and broken. It's like vile clickbait shit. And I'm so fucking tired of it. I'm sorry. That's my no, opinion. I'm glad I got that out of you. Cause I've, I just kept growing more and more upset seeing the, like everyone that went to see Spider-Man No Way Home is less intelligent because they enjoyed that and didn't enjoy this. The dialogue around this movie sucks. There's yeah. so much of that. And on the other side, there's so much of like, oh, fuck the Matrix for being woke. Like, fuck off and watch yeah. the original Matrix, dum-dums. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm sorry that I enjoyed Spider-Man pretentious asshole. Not you, obviously. Oz. You're, a Andrew Garfield in Spider-Man No Way Home is better than anyone has ever been in any of the Matrix movies. Fuck off. Ooh. Oh, you got my brain broken on that one. I think I just took the red pill. Oh, man. I would put Morpheus in the first Matrix, the first half over Garfield, but it's close. And I'd put John, well, Jonathan Groff exists. Hold on. Groff, Groff is the closest. I think, yeah, Groff, is the the best, I think, <laughs> I think Groff is the best performance in, in these movies. Yeah. And just watched all of them. Uh, again, This I think Groff is like easily the best performance in these movies. Yeah. Should we get to numbers? Sure. So where'd you land on this movie? I don't know what to do with it. I really don't. I'm going to call it a seven. It's like a soft seven. It's because there's enough that I respect about it to to keep it there. But yeah, it's just I wouldn't be surprised if five years from now, this is like a nine out of 10 and it's grown in my esteem. I wouldn't be surprised if it's like a three out of 10. OK, so as I mentioned, there is enough interesting here that I was on board for 40 minutes. Then just the execution almost erased what the first 40 minutes was. Um, the Merovingian and Groff, I think, alone make it a seven for me. And then the discourse and the amount of times I was made to feel like a bad person for enjoying a fun blockbuster that actually has more going on bumps it down to a six. So uh, it also puts it in order that, like, I would, I like the ideas in this more than I do revolutions. I like, I like more in revolutions than I do in this movie as like an action movie. Yes. The, the repetitive cloud of machines is not what you want, but the Neo Trinity stuff is. 
it's also like a, a Superman movie is Revolutions. I'm not. I'm with you on the fact that it's not. It's not good. But I also think this isn't good. So I'm at a six out of ten. You mentioned during final review that this would be that this would be on your list for a couple of people. So what would this movie change about your final review listings? I think the the one that it would really change for me is I I think Carrie Ann Moss is quite good here. Um, I, I had Disturbia as my number three movie right. for Carrie Ann Moss. That there's just not a lot there in that performance. So I'm going to re-rank Carrie Ann Moss and leave The Matrix number one, Memento number two, and this The Matrix Resurrections will be my new number three for Carrie Ann Moss, bumping down Disturbia and The Matrix Reloaded and knocking off Unthinkable from my list. And I think that's the only thing that's going to change. So I still like Snow Cake more. Got to be honest. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna stick with the, stick with the five ahead there. There's no Keanu change here. There's no, no. Wachowski change here for me. No. Um, yeah. So across the board, like, look, Lana, I apologize that you got roped back in to doing a movie in this franchise, but please, the the punching down of the people that enjoyed discussing your movie. Like, go make another Jupiter Ascending then. Um, anything else you wanted to say about Resurrections before we get out of here? I, I guess I'll, I'll share, and I'd like to hear yours too, with your, your quick franchise ranking. I think it's pretty clear now, but, but lest there be any ambiguity, I'm going one, uh, two, four, Animatrix three for <laughs> so still, my rankings. I hate... I, I hate you hate revolutions. So uh, this is better than I like this better than revolutions. And I like the animatrix better than revolutions also. Um, one and two very big. Okay. One very big drop off Two very big drop off. I've never seen the animatrix and I, I like parts of three while I, I like the ideas introduced in four. So I'll, Man, I'll give I'll give props to that first forty minutes before I had seen the rest of the movie to four and put that as my number three, and then like I'll put Animatrix above it because there's no way it could be worse than the last two movies <laughs> in the franchise. Um, Oz, do you have anything you like to plug before we get out of here? Come to theinventionofdreams.com. Uh, we'll be running an early review of the three fifty five this week, which is the spy movie with Diane Kruger and Penelope Cruz and Lupita hmm. Nyong'o. Um, and I'm missing someone. Oh, Jessica Chastain. Uh, so we'll have that up this week. We've got a whole bunch of stuff in the queue. Um, I've been grinding through some screeners, so there's lots of writing to come. Uh, yeah, come come read. And come read Yasha's piece. It's really good. Yes, it is very good. I highly recommend it, especially to somebody that thinks that, you know, Spider-Man Spider No Way Home was nothing more than fan service. As always, thank you for listening and tune in next time for another final review. One you larger and one pill makes you small and the ones that mother gives you
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.